Hey there, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. My name is John Whitaker. I am the host and creator of the Bible in Life, and I'm glad you're joining me on this episode. I think what we're going to talk about on this episode is absolutely critical for us to spend some time seriously reflecting on and thinking about. So I'm super excited to share just a few things I've been reflecting on and thinking about myself with you on this episode. If you are a first-time listener, if this is your first time here on The Bible in Life, welcome. Glad you're here. Our goal, our heart on The Bible in Life is to provide what I like to call blue jeans theology. And what I mean by that is theology that's in the language of everyday life, rooted in the context of everyday life, so that it'll help you and I follow Jesus right in the midst of our everyday life. So that's my goal. That's my heart. So I'm glad you're here. Glad you're joining us on this episode. And uh, before we jump into the content of the episode, uh, just a reminder that on my website, I have a uh, a free ebook entitled Bible in Life, same name as the podcast, uh, that is geared towards helping you read and apply the Bible to your own life. It gives five practices for hearing the text well, that is listening to it, studying it, making sure you're understanding what's being said, and then five practices for heeding the text well. Like, what are some things we can do to help us internalize the message of the text and begin to live it out right in the context of our everyday life? So that's completely free. Just put your name, your email address. You'll get access to that ebook right there. I think that can be really useful to you. Also, another thing I wanted to mention to you is that one of the best ways to help people learn about the Bible in life, as well as my other podcast, A Listener's Commentary, is by you guys rating, reviewing, and sharing it. It, it Some sort of weird way in this digital world, it helps people actually uh, discover it more and find it more. So if you've been positively impacted by the Bible in life or the listener's commentary, would you, on your podcast app, wherever they're at, if they allow you to rate and review the show would you just write up a short little review, uh, give a little rating, and uh, and that would be hugely helpful to helping people discover it and find it on their own, as well as if you wouldn't mind sharing it on social media, sharing it uh, in a text thread with friends who you study the Bible with, sharing it with your small group, uh, any other way you can uh, think of to just share it with people in your life that might benefit from it as well, uh, I would be extremely grateful for that. All right, let's jump into this episode of The Bible and Life and this particular topic. And the topic is this, bless and curse not. How do you typically respond when somebody mistreats you, somebody wrongs you, snubs you, insults you, right? How do you typically respond to that? The normal human way, like kind of the default human way of reacting and responding to that is to sort of respond in kind. Either in the moment or after the fact behind the scenes, in our own mind, we we want to get even. We want to make things right. We want to let everyone know what an awful person they are. Right? We we actually want to instead of bless and curse not, our natural default reaction is you cursed me, I'm cursing you. Right? You wronged me, I'm wronging you. Or we're going to let everyone know what an awful person you are. And yet, one of the distinctive, the most distinctive things about uh, discipleship to Jesus, one of the most distinctive things Jesus called his, uh, his disciples to be and to do is to bless and curse not, uh, to love our enemies and pray for those 
who want to harm us, right? This is who we are as the people of God, as the people of Christ, as those filled with the Spirit and living in the kingdom of Messiah Jesus. This is, this is to shape us. This is one of our core values. We bless and curse not. And it marks our manner of living and relating in every way. And you hear calls to this in the New Testament letters. For example, Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 14. The Apostle Paul simply writes, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and curse not. Romans 12, 14. Or the Apostle Peter in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, Do not return evil for evil or insult for insult. But give a blessing instead, right? Don't return harm for harm, mistreatment for mistreatment. Don't return ridicule or insult for insult. Instead, give a blessing. Uh, And these kinds of calls to action from Jesus' apostles as they teach us the way of the kingdom, they're really applications of Jesus' words in places like Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5, 43 and 44. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, You've heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Like, love your enemies. Actively do good for them. Want the best for them. Figure out ways to help them. Pray, even for those who harm you and mistreat you. Pray for God's help and God's blessing on them. Or another passage, Luke chapter 6, Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is there in that? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is there uh, in that? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to get paid back, like what credit is there to you in that? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to receive back the same amount. But, Jesus says, love your enemies and do good to them. And so this is one of the hallmarks of discipleship to Jesus. This is who we are as the people of God. Now, I'm sure you've heard that. If you've been around the Bible, been around church, you've, you've heard that. Um, maybe, you know, you've heard it and let it go in one ear and out the other, but you've probably heard that. The deeper question for us that I want to really explore on this episode is not just, all right, this is what we should do. The deeper question is, But how do we become the kind of person who routinely and regularly does this? How do we become the kind of person for whom this approach to relationships, this approach to life actually makes sense so that it's just the way we are? How do we become this kind of person? Oftentimes, um, we act as if or we, you know, we seem to think that just being informed is enough, right? Like just being told you should do this is enough. But I think our own personal experience tells us, no, it's not enough. I've heard this before. I've read the Sermon on the Mount before. I've, I've read, you know, what Paul wrote. I am familiar with the idea that we're supposed to bless those who uh, curse us, right? I, I've heard that before and I still struggle to do it. Just being informed is not enough. Just being told to do it is not enough. So how do we become the kind of person who doesn't just know we should do this, but who can and routinely does do this? And um, what it really requires is intentional training, like any skill. 
like any important thing we want to achieve in life, we don't get there by trying harder. We get there by training more. Intentional training. You train for it, whatever it is. If you want to get good at something, right? Um, like if you're wanting to get good at playing the piano, you you practice and you train for it. If you're wanting to get good at playing the guitar, you practice, you train for it. If you're wanting to get good at playing basketball or soccer or, uh, you know, running a marathon, I don't know why anyone would actually want to run a marathon, but I have, I have plenty of friends that do. If you want to get good at that, it doesn't just happen by trying harder. You got to train harder. You got to train properly. And, and so in order to become the kind of person who can bless and curse not, isn't going to happen by us just knowing we should do it and trying to do it. We're probably going to have to train in some ways. It's sort of like reprogramming our operating system, like reprogramming uh, our default way of responding. So, for example, let's step out of bless and curse not for a second. Let's take another value and virtue that uh, we know is important in Scripture. Say, for example, you want to cultivate the virtue of humility. Are there things that you and I can do that would help us Get better at humility. Uh, be more humble. Yes, there are some things that we could do. Depending on, um, you know, maybe where we struggle with it or how we want to grow in humility, there are some things we could do. For example, um, one simple little practice is, if we want to cultivate humility, is, well, don't, don't explain away your shortcomings and your mistakes. Just don't explain it away. Just own it and accept it. Even if there, you feel like there's a good reason for why you made that mistake, just leave it. And, and practice just accepting the fact that you made a mistake and you don't need to justify it or explain it or excuse it or qualify it or anything. Right? That's just a little practice that will help us learn humility uh, before God. And just own that, that I'm not perfect and I make mistakes. Um, or if somebody points out uh, a mistake that you yourself made or points out maybe even better a shortcoming that uh, you know you have, don't get angry and defend yourself. Because you've already acknowledged that you have that. And if they're noticing something that you already know is kind of a shortcoming that you need to work on, they're just acknowledging what you already noticed. So why defend it? And why, why again, try to explain that away or minimize it? Or attack them and, right? Like, just just accept it. Yeah, I, I know I struggle with that. Again, that helps us be more humble and just come to have a realistic assessment of ourself. And I think that's key to humility. Uh, another way we could grow humility is by practicing behind the scenes, uh, self-lowering service, even in simple ways, um, whatever that might be. And again, we have to be intentional. It's not just doing the task. It's doing the task as an exercise for becoming the kind of person who lowers themselves and serves others without having to get commended for it or acknowledged for it whatever that might be. And so it could be something as simple as um, cleaning up the dishes that other people leave behind in the break room and doing it with the prayer, Lord, help me to serve my coworkers like you have served me. Now it becomes an exercise for helping us learn service and, and humility and considering others as more important than myself, as Paul tells us in Philippians chapter two, right? So there's, there's intentional things we can do to help us learn humility. Um, there's plenty of others we could list. That's just a random sampling. That's the way we want to cultivate virtue is a, a way of creating in some intentional exercises, things that we can intentionally do to help rearrange the operating system within our insides so that 
we now become the kind of person who values and sees the benefit of and actually believes it's good and routinely uh, can actually put it into practice. Um, that is really important for us, whether it's humility or whether it's um, cultivating patience and putting off anger. There's intentional things we can do with that, right? Like we don't just try harder. We actually intentionally do things to become the kind of person who's like this. So what about with um, blessing those who curse you? What can we do to become the kind of person who routinely and regularly does this? Well, there's probably a number of things that are important that we could begin to practice. But in, uh, in Peter's account in 1 Peter 3, where he tells us to do that, I actually think Peter kind of points out some of the key things for us, some things that we could actually begin to practice. Um, and the first one is actually very simple. First off, we just actually got to be convinced that Jesus knows what he's talking about. That when Jesus teaches us this, and when his uh, official representatives, his apostles, teach us this, uh, that, that Jesus actually knows this is the best way to, to operate. That this is the best way of dealing with mis being mistreated. It's not arbitrary. It's actually good and wise. It's actually in sync with the way we're created to um, operate. And Peter assumes this. And expects us to agree with us. That's why he teaches us what he does, right? Like, don't return evil for evil or insult for insult, but give a blessing instead. Peter's convinced that what Jesus said in Matthew 5 and Luke 6 is actually wise and good and in sync with the way we're made to operate. He just assumes that and he expects us to agree with it. And so that's really the first place is we've got to accept that our normal way of operating is not smart. And Jesus knows better. And we've got to be convinced of that. In fact, in 1 Peter 3, Peter actually quotes an Old Testament passage that actually begins like this. The one who desires life to love and see good deeds. By taking this passage and applying it to this situation, and uh, Peter shows us that he believes this is the way to have life. This is the way to actually see good days. Like, it's smart to do this. And so we need to be convinced of that as well, that this is actually really the way to have true, genuine life and to experience good days is to do this. It's smart. So we've got to be convinced of that. That's the first thing. If we actually want to become this kind of person, we're going to need to read over what Jesus says, maybe memorize what Jesus says, read over what Peter says, and just say, okay, uh, I know it doesn't make sense to me, but Jesus is smarter than me. I got to trust him. That's the first thing we got to do. But then there's some exercises that Peter actually hints at in what he says here, things that could become like exercises, practices to help us uh, get better at this kind of thing. One of the exercises is don't respond in kind. So Peter says, don't return evil for evil, like harm for harm, mistreatment for mistreatment, rudeness for rudeness. Don't respond insult for insult, right? Like don't respond in kind. Um, just don't, don't do it. And so that could be simply a practice. I'm just not going to respond in kind, whether it's uh, in my own mind or whether it's 
out loud. When I do notice that I responded kind, I'm immediately going to catch myself, stop myself, confess it, uh, present it to the Lord, say, Lord, I'm sorry. I know that's not your way. Uh, I don't want to do that. Help me to become the kind of person who doesn't return evil for evil or insult for insult. So we just, we're going to make a practice of, I'm not going to allow myself to respond in kind. Not going to justify it. Not going to excuse it. Um, I will confess it and acknowledge it. Another practice that Peter suggests is to be honest, to be honest about them and about the situation. Don't overinflate it. Don't, uh, don't deceive. Don't exaggerate. Don't make things up. Be, just be truly honest about what actually happened. Peter hints at that when he says, uh, the one who desires life to love and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. And this is set in the context of right? Giving a blessing instead of uh, insult for insult. And so it reminds us that it's really easy when, when somebody says something we don't like or somebody says something hurtful to blow it all out of proportion or to minimize our role in the situation or to exaggerate how bad they are. It's just so easy for us as humans to do that. And so one of the things we can do is just we're going to commit ourselves to being completely honest, honest with ourselves, honest about them, honest about the situation. Uh, we're just going to be completely honest about that. That'll help tone it down for us and, and all of that. A, another practice Peter hints at is do no harm. Do no harm. Turn away from evil. He says in verse 11 of chapter 3, quoting this Old Testament passage, do no harm. Like the word evil means harm. It means doing bad. It means being mean, right? Like just do no harm. Commit ourselves to that. I'm just not going to... Uh, and knowingly and intentionally harm another person if I can at all help it. Do no harm. Peter also says, do good. This is actually deeper and greater. This is really at the heart of what Jesus is getting at. It's not just don't do harm. It's be actively kind. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do everything in my power to, this is, I think this is one of the key exercises, to be actively kind. To intentionally be helpful and good when and where I can even to people who have insulted me, been rude to me, mistreated me, been unfair to me, or whatever whatever else it is. Maybe on the job, maybe in the neighborhood, um, maybe with extended family. Who knows what it is? When you get a chance, you will do good for them, and you will do good to them. You'll be helpful. You'll be kind. You'll be benevolent. Uh, you won't run them down. You won't gossip, right? You're not going to do any harm, but you're going to actively do kind. And then uh, Peter says, he says, he must seek peace and pursue it. That is, pursue harmony. That, that's another practice we can, like, as far as it's possible with you, be at peace with all men, the Apostle Paul says. Like, pursue harmony. Do everything in your power to, to, to make peace and to make for harmony. So again, no gossip. No nasty social uh, social media posts. Like, why would we do that? That's not seeking harmony. Um, even if you don't name them, they know who you're talking about, right? Just don't do that. Um, you're going to do what you can. If you need to try to have a conversation with them where um, you can try to work things out if it all possible, do that. If that's not possible, that's okay. You're just going to make sure you don't make you know, stir the fires with gossip and slander and everything else. You're going to do everything in your power to, to just seek peace and seek harmony and pursue it. Now, those are some good practices 
that Peter hints at there in 1 Peter chapter 3, that if we just began to do those things and we did them as knowingly and intentionally as exercises for becoming this kind of person. So it's not just doing those things. It's doing them uh, as a way of offering ourselves to God to say, God, I know this is not natural for me. I know that this is not second nature yet for me, but make it second nature in me. Change me so I see the wisdom of this. Change me so that this is kind of my default way of responding. Make me like this from the inside out. When we do it with that kind of prayer, it's not just checklist religion where we're checking off a little box. We're doing it really as a way of presenting ourselves to God so that God, through his spirit and the wisdom of his word, would enter into us and change our operating system on the inside. And that's the goal. So that we just naturally think this way. We see the world this way, like Jesus saw the world this way. That's what we want. So those are some pretty good exercises to do in that way. There's actually one other um, key practice, it seems to me, scattered throughout, since we're looking at 1 Peter, scattered throughout 1 Peter that can be really, really uh, helpful. And that is fill your mind with the example of Jesus. When you read through 1 Peter, and 1 Peter has a lot of this material because of the situation that the letter is addressing, he routinely comes back to the example of Jesus. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 and following, writing to servants who might have masters who are harsh and hard to deal with and jerks, right? And he just tells them, like, here's the example of Jesus. Jesus gave you an example to follow. And then he reflects on Isaiah 53 there as the pattern. This is our way. And so filling our mind with the example of Jesus. Jesus did this for me. He didn't retaliate in kind. He laid down his life uh, for me and for the whole world. Surely I could imitate his pattern just a little bit um, by absorbing some of the mistreatment and evil in the world into myself and not just continuing to circulate it and spread it all around. Um, you see the same thing in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 17 and following. Again, he comes back to the example of Jesus and how he laid down his life. And he didn't bless, or he didn't curse when he was cursed. Instead, he prayed for their forgiveness, and he offered a blessing. And so uh, that is another drill, another exercise practice that we can routinely do. We can intentionally do that, that we can maybe even memorize and meditate on those those passages in 1 Peter 2 and 1 Peter 3, or we can uh, pray through the crucifixion account in this vein of, Lord, uh, I watched you uh, do this. Give me the grace and the wisdom to do it too. And as we fill our mind with the example of Jesus, it begins to it begins to change us and make more sense to us that this is the way. This is the way to life. This is the way God brings good out of all the brokenness and evil in the world. And so there you have it. There's some uh, exercises or practices that I think if we began to do those things and did them in that spirit of prayer of offering ourselves to God to say, God, I'm doing these things with the hope that you will change me on the inside to make me more like Jesus, um, that'll really help. And these become then like drills to help you get better at a skill, right? Like, as I said, if you want to become good at playing the guitar or playing the piano or playing basketball or running a marathon, you train for it. Well, we need to begin to think of these kinds of things as that. They're, they're drills, right? A basketball player, um, it, it, oftentimes one of the regular things they do is shoot free throws at the end of practice. When they're tired and they're worn out and their body doesn't feel like it, they'll shoot 100 free throws. Why? Because that way it becomes second nature. So then in a game situation, when the pressure's on the line and they're worn out, 
they can just shoot that shot. It's second nature to them because their body has been so trained um, and to, to do that. They've done the drills, they've put in the work, and now it's second nature. Well, the same thing is true with following Jesus. And so I offer these few things from 1 Peter uh, as drills, exercises that can be done prayerfully and intentionally to rearrange and reprogram our operating system so that we can learn to bless and curse not. All right, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible in Life podcast. I pray you have a great week walking with Jesus, and I pray that together we learn to love our enemies as Jesus has loved us, that we would become mature in Christ, full of his love for all kinds of people, those who love us and those who don't always seem like they love us too. May God bless you. I look forward to talking with you again next week.